Amen. Please be seated. Please take your insert out that has Psalm 96 on it, which will be our focus this morning. We are using Joy to the World by Isaac Watts as a guide uh, for the biblical themes that we are studying during this Advent season. We're at the fourth week, the fourth verse. Uh, it's worked out perfectly. There are four distinct themes um, laid out by the hymn writer Watts. Um, his method for writing hymns typically started with uh, writing a poem. His earliest hymns were all based on the Psalms. He had grown up singing the Psalms, uh, but when people sang them because the tunes weren't known, at least the original ones the Hebrews used, um, often people had trouble singing them. So he would uh, reword them, uh, not put new words in them, just arrange the words so they could be singable, and he did that for a while. He wrote poems that depicted what the Psalm portrayed, and then um, eventually he would weave the name of Jesus into the Psalms. Uh, many of the Psalms are messianic, like Psalm 96, 97, 98, uh, two of those Psalms that Watts uses. They're, a, they're ultimate messianic hymns. They're about the Messiah's final coming, not his first coming, his final coming. And Watts would write hymns that were based on Psalms, but then he would weave in the actual word or the title for Jesus so that you would sing the words of Jesus when you're singing the Psalms that spoke of him. Um, this is one such example. He wrote a poem for Psalm 98 primarily, but then when he gets to verse 4, he uses Psalm 96. We've already gone through Psalm 98, so this morning, looking at his fourth verse of this great hymn, we'll go to Psalm 96. His first stanza was about us receiving, or the world receiving Jesus as King. The second verse was a call to praise and worship for the people of God primarily, but really calling everything to worship God because everything is made for the glory of God. Our purpose, your purpose, is found in bringing glory to God in everything that you do. The third verse is about God's eventual final elimination of sin through the final coming of our Lord Jesus. Now, verse 4 has to do with all the nations of the earth being, uh, being alerted to God as King and Christ as the Messiah. So with that introduction, here as I read Psalm 96, the basis for this fourth verse of Joy to the World. Psalm 96 is God's holy word. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Let's bow together as I lead us in prayer. Lord, we are so very thankful for the coming of Christ to Bethlehem.
we see the centuries of prophecies, the hundreds of predictions, in all the events of history that come together so that Jesus was born as the second and final Adam. Now we ask, O Lord, as we contemplate that reality, that truth, that you would give us a great anticipation for the final coming of our Lord Jesus. We await for this great day. And in the meantime, we want to give praise to you. We want to declare Christ to the nations as your word describes him. Pray this in his name. Amen. I think one of the most underrated forms of evangelism that is declaring God in his salvation, one of the most underrated forms is the simple worship of the people of God. We sometimes think that the world doesn't know what we do, but I think the world really does know what we do. I think our neighbors know what we do. I think there's some knowledge of what people do in the church, and it displays what they believe. I think it's an underrated form of evangelism. The book of Psalms, of all the books in the Bible, largely written by David, the psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 96, penned by the king. So we think of it as really to Israel and then to the church. It's really Christocentric or to Christians. But if you read the content of the Psalms, it's really a call for every human being to worship God. Their content reveals that God has a global focus, a global perspective on calling all creation into his presence to sing praise and acknowledge his glory. In the Psalms, though they be the hymn book of Israel, the book we use to sing our praise to God as Christians, it's a book that includes God's vision for reaching the nations. Calvin said, the psalmist is exhorting the whole world, not just the Israelites merely, to the exercise of devotion to God. This could not be done unless the gospel was universally diffused as the means of conveying the knowledge of God. Um, As we express the gospel and we go out in a missionary enterprise, recognize that the worship of God itself is a declaration to the nations about who he is. And it's a call for everyone to come together under God, in Christ, to give him the praise that he deserves. This final fourth verse of joy to the world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, and the wonders of his love. Watts captures this worldview that God has, this this view of reaching the nations with his glory. The first coming of Christ, this should make us anxious for his final coming. If he did all he did to bring about his first coming, we can be sure that he will do whatever it takes to bring about his next coming, his final coming. In the Lord's final advent that we await, let us say among the nations, that the Lord reigns. That's the real spirit behind what Watts captures that is from the Bible. And it's from the Psalms of all places. Let's look at Psalm 96. We'll refer a little bit to Psalm 98, remembering there are parallel Psalms in the main Psalm that he wrote the hymn concerning. But now in this fourth verse, he really keys on the content of Psalm 96. Let's look at Psalm 96 in two ways. First, I want you to see how God has a vision for the nations. It's not just about Israel. It's not just about a small congregation there. It's about the nations acknowledging him. We see that laden throughout Psalm 96. But then also I want you to see how there's implicitly a call that goes forth from the people of God, from the redeemed to the nations to see who we're worshiping and why we're worshiping him. To proclaim his lordship and his love shown to us through his Christ. 
First, let's look at Psalm 96, referring a little again to Psalm 98, as you may remember, about God's plan concerning the world. Hymns for Israel by David, you see this universal flair in the wording. The Psalms reveal an international perspective, you might say. In both of these Psalms that I've mentioned, bid the nations to praise God, the true God, Yahweh. Psalm 96, verse 3 that I just read. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Don't just keep it in the temple, Israel. Don't just keep it in the church, Christians. Declare it to the nations. Psalm 98, the other psalm that we've been referring to. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. His redemption of Israel a thousand years before the time of Christ, even further before that, when he rescued them from Egypt, but then all the rescuings that he did of David against the armies and such, all the nations could see the salvation of God. Several lines in Psalm 96 and in Psalm 98 that mention the nations, the peoples, all the earth. This reveals God's global intentions for the gospel. It's always been God's plan to bless the earth with the knowledge of Christ, with access to Christ, the Savior. It's never, ever been narrow to just one nation. Psalm 98 is clear about this in the third verse of that psalm. Listen to the words in particular and see if you can draw the connection to the other parts of Scripture. In Psalm 98, he has remembered, God has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. But then listen to what he says. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. What is referred to? Well, here David's hearkening back to the promise that God made to Abraham, that he would bless Israel, that he would show Israel salvation. But at the same time, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. It's the Abrahamic promise that happened a thousand years before David, 2,000 years before Christ. It's that promise to Abraham that starts to be realized even in David's time, and we see full realization of it in the person of Christ. The Abrahamic covenant was a promise made to Abraham and his offspring. But there's an important gospel intention that God lays into that initial promise to Abraham. Listen to what he says to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. That you will be a blessing. It's not just about his personal blessing that Abraham receives. He would become a blessing. How so? I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Laden into the Abrahamic promise is the nations receiving the gospel, receiving the declaration of Christ. And this promise to Abraham finds its root way before. In Genesis 3, when after the fall happens and sin enters and man is dead in his trespasses and sins, God promises in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you, serpent, devil, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, between your seed and her seed. And thus is born for us the prophecy of the seed to come. Then you fast forward to Abraham's day, and the seed is promised. And it would be a blessing to Abraham as his own son would be born, but the son would be born eventually, the one promised in Genesis 3. By the time you get to David, David, who's, who's considered the, the forerunner of Christ, the Davidic precursor 
for the ultimate King Jesus who would come. He utters the words by the Holy Spirit's ministry that we read in Psalm 98. He has remembered his steadfast love. God has remembered his covenant. And guess what? It doesn't just benefit Israel. It benefits the whole globe. The nations will have opportunity to hear the declaration of God who reigns and his Messiah, his Christ. Beautiful picture of how the Bible unfolds this promise to the nations. Look at Psalm 96 with me as it's printed there, and I want you to notice some key words that show the focus of God on the nations. This isn't just about Israel singing a hymn for itself. This is a declaration of God's intentions. Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Look at verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples. Verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. He doesn't tell them it's okay to stay worshiping false idols, but his heart for the nations is to say, to turn from those and turn to me, God says. Say to the peoples that their idols are worthless. Verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord who? Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 9. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns in verse 10. In verse 10, it further says, he will judge the peoples with equity. Down to verse 13. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The judgment that will come to the peoples will be on the basis of his standards. Are they in him or are they not? That's the basis for judgment. And all people will be judged on this basis. Are we in his Messiah or are we not? Are we in the first Adam or are we in the second Adam? And all the peoples have this standard. The various descriptions of the inhabitants of the world outside of Israel show us the heart of God to tell the nations and declare to the nations that he is the Lord and Christ is his Messiah for us. Look at the lingo that's used. The earth the nations, the peoples, the families of the peoples, the world. God's plan for the people is for them to know that he is sovereign and his Christ is king. I want you to notice very briefly just a few other things about this psalm. First of all, notice that Psalm 96 requires praise from all the inhabitants of the earth as noted. But in particular, look at verse 7. Ascribe or give credit to or credit the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. There's a requirement given to every human being that you should come to God. Come and give him the credit that he deserves. Admit what is true about him as described here in the scriptures. But notice something else in verse 1 of Psalm 96. The psalm identifies the marvelous works of God, and it's, they're identified so that the nations will acknowledge them. Verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Still talking all the earth. Everybody do this. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The point is to call everybody into recognizing what is true. It's God who's done all these marvelous works. This isn't just 
by chance the things that you have seen have occurred. There's design, there is intention, there's complexity, there's carefulness, there's built-in ability to multiply. That's just the creation. And then all the things he's done to stretch out his arm and save his people. And it's calling all the people to recognize that he is God and come to him. The psalm is truly a universal call to worship God. Finally, notice in verse 13, the psalm lets everyone know that a final judgment that is coming will be completely fair. It will not be unfair. And here's your warning, everybody. This is the God we're talking about. You have to be right with that God. How do you be right with God? Bow down to him. Rest in his Messiah, the one who's coming to judge. And he'll judge in total equity. And if you're in him, you will be found righteous because of him. If you're not, you will be unrighteous and bear the burden of that. There it will be no surprises, and no one will say on that day, wait a minute, that's not fair, you didn't tell me. Been told it a thousand ways, and the Psalms one way in which this is clearly declared to all who hear. There's a real sense of outreach in this Psalm, the way that includes the nations beyond Israel. Very Abrahamic in its fulfillment. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove. Prove what? The glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love, his lordship and his love. And that's what we're called to proclaim. And I want you to see that as the second feature of Psalm 96. Our call to proclaim his lordship and his love, we find it in Psalm 96, and it makes sense that we find it in joy to the world. That's exactly what Watts was trying to do. Watts constructs a very helpful song in that the mere singing of joy to the world accomplishes the task of proclaiming Christ to the world. It's one of the things I love the most about this season, you could be in Target of all places. They probably hate to know this, but in Target, you can hear joy to the world, and you can hear clarity about what the Scripture says concerning God and Christ, about his righteousness and about his love. You can go to your doctor's office and hear joy to the world. Um, you can go all manner of places and hear joy to the world at this time of the year. It's a proclamation of God's lordship, and his love in Christ. One of the most important impacts of the church that we should not overlook, one of the most important impacts of the church is worshiping God as a way of declaring to the observing world what is true about God. We should be very mindful about this as we worship him. And this hymn serves to proclaim the lordship and the love of God through the coming of Christ. That's the message of Psalm 96 and Psalm 98 as well. Psalm 96, verse 2, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Declaring God's glory is to proclaim him publicly, declare him among the nations, out loud, tell of his salvation, describe what he does in salvation, tell of God's lordship, that he's the, the Lord who rules all but of his love also that makes us to have access to him through Christ. You know, we just scanned Psalm 96 and look for the ways in which it addresses the nations. Now let's do the same, but let's do it with him telling us his intention for us to declare or to express to the nations what is true. Look at Psalm 96 again, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. That's a public confession as we sing it aloud. Verse 2, tell of his salvation from day to day. Talk about it regularly, about his salvation. And do so out loud. That's the, the point. We're talking. We're conversing. We're declaring. We're confessing. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations. Declare 
his marvelous works among all the peoples. Verse 7, ascribe to the Lord, to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. We give glory and strength to all sorts of, uh, to ourselves and to people. But give it to him. Why? Verse 8, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Who's due more glory than God? Ascribe it to him. Make public connection to God and glory. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. There's several descriptions here in Psalm 96 of how we should be telling the nations of God and his Messiah. Sing it, tell it, declare it, ascribe, say, proclaim God. And in so proclaiming God, we are engaging others. You know, when you get to the New Testament and you see the apostles and what they're commissioned to do and what we're by extension are commissioned to do, you realize its rooting is in the heart of God that comes out in the Old Testament. This is not new to the New Testament. So when you come to Jesus' last words before he ascends, it makes much more sense when we see it in the light of God's intention for the peoples of the earth. In Matthew 28, just as he's ready to go ascend into heaven, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It resonates directly. It comes right from the Abrahamic promise to be a, a blessing to all the nations. Now realized in the person of Jesus himself, he commissions to go fulfill this thing. Go out and declare this thing. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I want to make just a couple basic applications to wrap up Psalm 96 in this last verse. The first one I've been mentioning but bears repeating. How can we be about telling the nations? Well, first, very simply, believers, by worshiping God as the Bible describes, to the best of our ability, knowing whatever we produce in an order of worship or our participation in worship will be deficient at some level. But by doing the best we can to follow God's description in Scripture, to give him the praise he deserves when we come together, especially as the people of God, we necessarily publicize God's lordship and his love. That balance is always there in Christian worship. We acknowledge who he is, his otherness, his transcendence, the, the reverence we should show him. At the same time, we have this sense of closeness because he's our father through Christ. We're adopted sons and daughters. His lordship and his love are real to the people of God, and we declare it. And that makes a public show of who God is. Public worship is a testimony to the world about God and his Christ. There is absolutely an evangelistic reality about our public worship gatherings. You know, in recent years and more modern times, there's a bit of an effort. It's a well-meaning effort. But let's, you know, get more people to come to church or uh, make Sunday gatherings more palatable for unbelievers who are unchurched or people who are unchurched. And certainly through that, relationships have been built and people have come to Christ. I'm not saying it's, that no good has come from that. But I think it misses the greater power of what the church is called to do when it worships according to what God says we should do in worship. There are some aspects that are difficult to understand for someone who doesn't know, but I think we don't give enough credit to what a human being sees when he sees other people bowing down before someone, something. 
the, the awesome God. And when we do what God tells us to do, there's some areas where we should be better to explain what we're doing, but we should do what we should do. And, and do it the way the scripture lays it out and trust that that will be a great testimony to the watching world about the God who we worship. We should seek to follow what he tells us to do in worship to the best of our ability because we want him to be glorified and we want the nations to get a clear picture of who our God is. And there will be a balance of the lordship of God and the love of God shown by his people when we express ourselves in worship to him. The biblical elements of Christian worship are by design declarative. The church as a center for the right worship of God in a community. That's synonymous with there being a witness for Christ in a community, no matter what's going on in the wider culture. That's the first way I would like to, for us to think of telling the nations in application. But the second way, maybe the more obvious way, I'll put into two parts. We also tell the nations by intentional evangelistic outreach that Christians do, individually and as a church, first individually, personally, or interpersonally. You are ambassadors for your Savior wherever God places you. It refers to our individual obligation to represent God wherever he places us. Our belief in God or your belief in God will be revealed by how you respect and love others around you. Your belief in God will be revealed by your humility and your gentleness. No one is below you. You could serve anyone else. Your belief in God will be revealed by your careful boldness. You'll be gentle and humble, but you'll be bold to say what needs to be said. Your belief in God will, will be revealed by how we speak and by what we say when we speak. But the goal of all of this as individual believers, ambassadors for Christ, is to showcase our God, not ourselves or our devotion. We're not walking around in judgment trying to correct other things. We're carrying ourselves with love and compassion of Christ without compromising his principles, looking for opportunity to give God the credit that he deserves. This personal witness or this family witness has the effect of telling the nations about God and his Christ. But also, corporately as a church, collective, so much can be done as we come together as a team, as we connect with other churches as teams. Corporately, as a mission outreach of the church to tell the nations about God and his Christ. The ultimate goal would be to see churches built up who become centers for this worship and witness for Christ wherever they are. So our missionary endeavor is, yes, to present the gospel of grace, so people know how to be right with God through faith in Christ, but then to see churches burgeon from those believers who can be mantle places for that going forth from it. And not to assume that every church building has a church that's preaching that message. So it is about revitalizing and refreshing churches. It's about bolstering churches that need help. It means planting new churches. That's what the mission of the church is about, to tell the nations. That's the main mode for gospel proclamation, the witness of the local church in its worship, in its work, in its membership. The more biblical worship and biblical declaration that happens, the more people will hear, and normally, more that will believe. That's up to God who believes. But more will hear for sure. So our missionary endeavors to tell the nation should be in support of establishing local churches or building up other churches, local churches together and coming together so that we could see fulfilled this great vision. He rules the world with truth and grace. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Let's bow together as I lead us in prayer. Father, we are so very thankful for your rule and your reign. 
you truly do rule with truth and grace. Father, you also have shown us your great love in Christ, making us your children. Lord, please give us boldness to declare you to the nations, your lordship and your love. Lord Jesus, the glories of your righteousness are magnificent and worthy of our praise and witness. As we gather together this week, again later in the week to celebrate uh, Christmas, as families meet to celebrate the coming of Jesus, thinking upon the promise you fulfilled, please give us a great care for the world around us and give us your helpful spirit of grace to declare Jesus to the nations in all these ways we have considered. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.